I'm very pleased to welcome back my guest today. The last time we were here, the entire podcast focused on the fascinating story of her local advocacy that all started around a collector road on a proposed official plan and the community effort to successfully get that changed. She was a seatmate of mine around the Horseshoe at the region of Waterloo and the Grand River Conservation Authority from 2010 to 2014. Her experience in our community as a municipal politician dates back to 1997 as a councillor with the city of Kitchener and then as a regional councillor from 2000 to her retirement in 2014. Today, we're going to focus on another project of hers that started before her time as a municipal politician. It's a great example of how a concerted and dedicated community effort with committed and focused volunteers can result in successfully saving and renovating an important heritage building. She and her crew saved a special piece of our local heritage from the wrecking ball, giving it a prominent presence in our local community. I'm very pleased to welcome back to the Old Gray Mayors podcast, my friend, Jean Halboom. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, good. So, heritage tired. <laughs> yeah, heritage tired. Yeah, we'll talk about it though. I know you're probably thinking back, but you know, if you if you knew at the start what you knew later on, you'd probably be like, oh my god. But once you get into it, it's just you're the ever ready, ever uh, ever ready bunny or energizer bunny. But quick, <laughs> how are the grandchildren? Grandkids are just great, and. Uh, I uh, worked with the older one homeschooling from uh, beginning of January till return back to class every day. And then when the younger one, who's four and a half, uh, when her day finished, then she would come with her dad over. uh, And then she and the six and a half year old, um, well, we did story time and games. activities and all that so that was good yeah yeah because i know we almost didn't get you on the air because uh you might have had to do some more homeschooling or something right absolutely absolutely yeah so gene today we're going to talk about the governor's house and the waterloo county jail Mm -hmm. and just for everyone out there jail is spelled g-a-o-l Right. And you don't say gaol or goal, right? Right. You want to keep in mind that the goal is to keep the jail open. G-A-O-L. Was that a, was it, was that a slogan that you used when you were fundraising for this thing? Oh, I wish I had thought of it then. No, <laughs> it wasn't. It's just know each other then. I would have helped you with that. <laughs> But so, Jean, so last time when we got together, like usually when I do these podcasts, I'm talking to people about their political careers and 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 stuff. But, you know, we got into that great story about the collector road and, and everything that you did. I, I thought it was a good case study about how people who are involved in their community can get involved in a project like that and make change in the community without actually being an elected member of the community, working from sort of the outside 
right? Sure. It was it was awesome. And then now we've got this story today about the governor's house in the Waterloo County Jail. And I think it's almost a, a similar sort of story because tell us when you first got involved with the governor's house and the Waterloo County Jail. I think it must be about 1984. Um, and I was the... Uh, chair of the Waterloo Regional Heritage Foundation. And uh, several people, members of the Architectural Conservancy of Ontario, and probably members um, of, and neighbors who were me uh, members of the Waterloo Historical Society, appealed to me and, and told me about how important this Waterloo County Jail was and that it needed to be saved. And uh, every time I met these people, I'd hear the story about the importance of saving the Waterloo County Jail. Now, mind you, Rob, um, when we moved up from Toronto, I lived at 100 Queen Street North and across the street <laughs> was the still open Waterloo County Jail and Governor's House. So the jail was, a, it was used as a jail and the Governor's House was used by the local police officers. When, when you lived in downtown Kitchener? Yes, because yes. we moved up from Toronto in 1972 and then we looked for a place and of course we were there till 1976. So at that time, the jail and the Governor's House, were, they were still open, still in use. Uh, the governor's house had its ugly pink paint and it was looking pretty derelict and you'd walk past the place yeah. and not pay too much attention. So uh, then we moved out to Dune and, um, you know, then I became the heritage, the chair of the foundation. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, maybe, maybe I should have a duty to go have a look. It was, and, it was meant to be, Jean. It was meant to be. <laughs> uh, meant to be what? <laughs> <laughs> you, you were meant to save it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, I, I, um, uh, I then asked staff, if, uh, uh, how would I go about taking a look inside this building? Okay, let's building. stop for one second, Jean. Let's stop for one second. So... So people in Heritage are talking to you about this thing because of your position with the local Heritage community, correct? Yes. Now, aren't they talking to the politicians about it as well? I couldn't uh, say. Uh, the only thing that if you wanted to talk about talking to politicians, right. I, know, I know that there were... Uh, a few of those members from the ACO and maybe historical society who were sitting on the, what then was in 1979, 80, 81, the Local Architectural Conservation Advisory Committee, LACAC, which is the, the precedent or the former um, heritage, now it's Heritage Kitchener, and right. they, that committee can recommend heritage designation. So the Heritage Committee, Heritage Kitchener, LACAC, had um, asked that um, this building, and I think probably they had asked the um, Kitchener Council 
to designate the buildings. And that was in about, the, and because it, the buildings had closed in 1978. Ministry of Attorney General had handed over the keys to the region of Waterloo or, uh, yeah, was it region? So the region, so Jean, the region was the owner of the, of the buildings at the time that you started to get involved or were people were talking to you about it. That's right, that's right. Uh, let me just, before we get too far, what's the significance of these buildings? It's sort of like, wh when were they built and, 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 and operational? So uh, the, um, the jail, uh, I'll just go back. Um, in order to become a county seat or become Waterloo County, right. uh, you had to be able to have symbols that demonstrated you knew how to administer justice. And mm. the symbols were a county courthouse and a jail. Ah. And uh, so <laughs> the, uh, the uh, politicians of the day, or the, I'll say movers and shakers of the day, uh, they were just tired of doing their legal business. At least this is my interpretation. Doing legal, legal business, having to go all the way over to Guelph. Um, and, right. and so they figured, you know, we're advancing, we've got population, lots of business. We should be able to do our own um, court work. You know, if you wanted to get your deeds done for your house. Yep. For property, and yeah. Property and, and probably court cases, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah drunken brawl. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing a piece of bread. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, and so it was a very interesting, very interesting story because um, uh, <laughs> there was this big, um, what would I say, back and forth and back and forth, where would the county seat be? Yes. And of course, um, it was between Galt yes. and Ben, and back and forth. And of course, um, you know, Galt really wanted it. Actually, I'm, I'm trying to think of the other place out our way on the Huron Road, New Aberdeen. They thought they should have a site as well. Really? Wow. Yeah. I, I, not, I, I wasn't aware of that. That's interesting. Town plan. There's a town plan for showing county seat or county buildings. But anyway, uh, what was needed was land. Where were they going to put the, the county court buildings? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so the guy, Frederick Gockle, and you know Gockle Street. And, yeah. And um, anyway, he had, uh, I think he was a tavern owner behind, in an area behind the Walper today. And uh, anyway, he said, I will, I will give you one acre and some odd acreage of land for the county seat. Well, hold on one second, Jean. Hold on. So, so that donation of land was probably the one of the most significant events in making Kitchener Waterloo, Kitchener, one of the prominent cities or towns in this area. True, true. Actually, I think it's two acres rather than an acre. Yeah, so. whatever it was, though, the fact that we got those buildings, Galt lost that opportunity because Galt was a, quite the going concern back in those days. Yeah. yeah. 
And so, yeah. Well, hold on. So, so how do we reward that person for such a generous donation? We, we named the smallest street in Kitchener after him. <laughs> yeah. And to think that the deed of land that existed then is still intact. Oh. Nothing is sold off. I think well, that's more significant. Okay. So, so this is built approximately when is, are these buildings? Built. So, uh, 1850s, 1851. So, in okay. June of 1852, uh, now that they have land, I do believe it's called Provisional Council. Anyway, councillors got together and um, they passed bylaws for tenders of, uh, to build the jail and the courthouse. And think about this decision-making. <laughs> I still have yet to try and figure out how did it happen so quickly? Because June of 1852, tenders were let, land and material was for the jail. The jail, we're not talking about the house. It comes 1877, 1878. But anyway, the jail okay. and the courthouse, jail and the courthouse. Yeah. And so, when do they open? The official opening is roughly, um, I'm trying to think whether it's January 23 or 24 of 1853. Yeah, they wanted it open fast so nobody could change their minds. Um, can you imagine, former politician, can you imagine making decisions, getting all these tenders out and getting it built during a fall and, and winter and yeah. open? January, 1853. Well, I can imagine them doing that because they wanted to beat out Galt and New Aberdeen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this this facility, so that's the jail. And the governor's house was built when? Uh, 1877, 1878. Okay, so these two properties are still in existence. Uh, you know, we're, we're up in the middle 1980s. Uh, they stopped being in use in the 1970s. And were they just deteriorating then? What was the condition like when you first set your eyes upon these uh, in the 80s? Everything's closed up. And of course, windows are boarded up and boarded over and um, the heat's turned off. Uh, so let's go into the, the 1980s, 1980, after 1984, when I determined that uh, I had better move with the, um, the public or those people who had concerns um, to, raise, to raise awareness and of the importance of the site and talk about how and what and in what way we might reuse these buildings. I was going to say, what was the, uh, what was the, did the, did the region not have a plan for these buildings? Well, okay, so I did the, went in for the tour uh, with the regional chief uh, lawyer went in and along with one or two facilities people. And so you were greeted in the empty cell blocks and plasters hanging and in the middle of summer and 90 degree weather, it's freezing in there and you wanna make sure that you're well, you know, well clothed and it's sweating walls and, and not too peeling paint and so then Okay, then we went upstairs and looked at the upper cell block. And then from there on, we went 
through and then there was a link between the house and the, the jail. And then I came into this house and uh, by this time, because I've been looking at a variety of houses over the years to find one myself, an older one. So we go into the house and we come walking along and, and then I notice this charming circular staircase that uh -huh. extends in the tower and it has this gorgeous oak, real oak railing and spindles. And then, you you know, you can actually go up into a, an outlook of the tower and I came down and having, and then there's this charming, well, it could be charming living room, <laughs> double living room. Right, right. <laughs> it wasn't, it was pretty awful. And, um, but anyway, you have to, when you're doing an old property and when it's in disrepair, you have to look beyond and imagine. Yeah. So you had vision, you had vision of what it could be. And especially, I mean, the house turn really incentivized me more so than the jail. However, I was told this is the last remaining public building in such severe language and tone by the regional solicitor. All right. So I went out and uh, thanked them for the tour. And <laughs> went home and thought about it. Yes. <laughs> and um, then I, I reached out to those um, members of the ACO and the Historical Society and also, uh, you know, to see if I could find some people to help spread the word around, shall we say. Well, let me, okay, let, well, hold on now, hold on. Let's just step back for a second. So you're doing this tour. The, the region owns this building. What was the region's plans at the time that you were doing this tour? At that time, uh, well, uh, they had um, the regional government at the time, I think in 1979 when it closed, about 1980, uh, the regional government, it, um, it thought that this was an excellent spot for a parking lot. Huh. <laughs> and then the uh, regional solicitor put the brakes on and said, I'm sorry, but you have a cemetery. Yeah, on well, hold on, hold on. I don't want to get into that yet. Okay. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's step back a little bit. The city of Kitchener, when did the city of Kitchener put a uh, historic designation on the property? I'll say 1981. Oh, okay. So that happened after this cemetery issue. I, I'm sorry. I don't have the facts on that, Rob. But Okay. But that's, that's fine. But let's talk about the, we'll talk about the cemetery issue in a second. But yeah. I just want to talk about the um, historic designation then. So the city of Kitchener, so it's owned by the region. Did the region ask the city of Kitchener to put a historic designation on the property? Never. Never. <laughs> no. They were opposed to it. However, the, the region city, the region was opposed to the historic designation. Absolutely. That meant no chance to tear it down for a parking lot. No parking lot. 
How many cars were they going to get on that parking lot? Oh, about 400, you know, lots of income. Ooh. So it was going to be a public parking space. Yeah. Oh. Of course, you would have to pay to park there, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did the, um, did the region uh, try and fight that designation? They sure did. So um, they, uh, the region went to the Conservation Review Board, which is where appeals for heritage designation in those days went. And uh, so um, we have, of course, the city stating the case and the region opposing it. And the uh, ruling was that the designation had to maintain and it received heritage designation. Mind you, no plaques were put on the building until 2002 when we reopened. Okay, so, so the region, okay, so... So, so when the region lost the historic designation fight, was there like a backup plan for the, the site? I have not um, checked that out or um, it, it seemed as though there, that there was always a concern for building a new regional headquarters and right. that had never come to fruition. And so closer to the 19... Mid-1980s, um, there was uh, a move to get a regional headquarters and likely it would be on the site of the jail and the governor's house. Oh, now but we got to build this up for a second because this is so, such an interesting part of the story about the cemetery. Um, the, 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 the solicitor for the region, who was that person? It was Connie Giller. Okay. So she's the one that raised this concern about the cemetery on the site, correct? Right. So was the region about to do something on the site that uh, this issue was brought to their attention and, and sort of stopped them from doing something to the site? Uh, well, I would think when they talked about a parking lot and demolishing the buildings. Right. That would be the okay. stuff. I'm not too sure. I need to check this one out. So, so, um, so when she brought this up, what was the significance of that? What, what did that end up doing to the property or any action on the property, the cemetery issue? So um, there were, in the history of the jail, there were three hanged men who were buried someplace three of them buried someplace in the jail yards or the exercise yards. And that concentrates a cemetery. So before you are able to, you know, reuse the site, you have to prove either um, find the bodies and remove them or do your due duty about digging, archeological digging and, um, and prove that there are no uh, bodies there. So whenever there was a proposal for um, something to happen on the site, yeah. uh, they had to do an archeological dig. To remove the, to find and remove the bodies. That's right. Mm -hmm. And how did, how did that go? <laughs> So the first dig was in what today is the wall garden 
the exercise yard, we'll say number one, right. exercise yard, and all that was found there were, were the footings of a tool shed and um, a, a place to store uh, winter vegetables, that kind of thing. And yeah. today, go in the garden, you'll see the fountain, and the fountain is in the location of that first dig. Oh, and, were they okay? The fountain is where they found one of the bodies. No bodies. They just oh. found the footings of the tool shed. Okay. And so the name of that archaeological dig, if you want to uh, find it at the in the region archives and see what they found and the report, it's called "Dining at the Jail." Okay. <laughs> so the, I think besides a lot of the um, you know things that or with the tool shed and so the footings. The there are a number of, if you go into the core POA, which is the former jail in the front room, you will find um, a, a case full of artifacts. And there were like old combs and soup bones and, and um, little pieces of China and so on. Right. That's there on exhibit. But, but they found two bodies, correct? Yes, but not in that yard. Okay. Where, where did they find them? <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll exit yard one. And each one of these exercise yards, uh, there's a, a heavy wooden door be between them. So, all right. So where will, you know, dig... And so I'm not too sure uh, because there were five exercise yards. So number one, closed, <laughs> eliminated. And so then we have the women's exercise yard and one off the kitchen, uh, that's two, three. Then, oh yes, and then there was a yard that was closed between the house with the new wall put in. And then there's the big backyard, which is today a parking lot. So I'm sure they had test pits all over, but any anyway, the what they did do then, um, and it was very interesting because an archaeologist told me this in one of our doors open days, that he was in charge of the um, the dig, and he found this book in a downtown secondhand bookshop about. Uh, murders at the jail or, or some such thing at the Waterloo County yes. Jail. And it said the prisoner was looking out the window at his grave being dug. Oh, so that's how they identified where it could be. And so he, this archaeologist said, I told the crew to go over into this section of the women's yard and start digging. And that's where they found two of them. Wow. Bodies. Wow. So, uh, oh, two. You said there were three. There are three. So what happened to the third one? And the third one, uh, there, I will say there was a lot of digging, a lot of digging in all these different yards. Yes. And, um, and then another thorough digging uh, of all the yards before the provincial offenses, uh, the uh, jail and the governor, the jail in particular, 
before it could be rehabilitated or adapted. So um, I can answer you about number three. So, so never located. Never located. Okay, so it's a mystery still unsolved. Yes. So, Jean, you um, you have very good knowledge of the history of uh, the jail, the governor's house, and the and the county jail, and I'm guessing that's because I read you you took a lot of people on a lot of tours. Yes. So, what what was that? Um, as part of your plan, I guess, well, let's go back to the mid eighties then. What was your plan in terms of trying to save this facility? One would have to prove, prove that it's worthwhile saving that history in the, you know, in the minds of a lot of people isn't, isn't as valued as it should be. Right. And also, um, I do recall in the earlier years of the 80s when Schneider House uh, was being restored and constantly, constantly, it was how much money is it taking to restore this place or adapt, well, a store, restore the place? Right. And why? So people had to understand the importance of the of the jail so the potential of of uh investing regional tax dollars yes and so the public has to be committed to say this is a good thing and could be used because there had been such a um i would say a horrific public outcry about the tax dollars that were going into Schneider House. And and it seemed to me that um, that council was very tepid about taking on another project. So uh, what I then determined with um, a couple of other Architecture Conservancy Ontario local branch people that um, what we should do is show the inside of this house, uh, inside of the buildings and the potential and that this building was there, both buildings were very, very strong and they were not as they were being portrayed in media articles. Uh ready to fall down or unsafe or, you know, just because they, they didn't look pretty and just because, uh, uh, what would I say? There were several regional staff who were anti any kind of preservation. Um, they, that this had to overcome. We had, and we had to tell the story. So, not only was it the re- our reason for being, our reason for Waterloo Region, Waterloo County to have become the center, right. but it was also, you had the, the story about those um, three murderers. And yeah. as I did tours, as I did tours, there were always people who came forward and they had stories for me. Right. Like they had idea, you know, things that 
uh, memories of when the jail was still open and and so I always I learned a lot from people. So so from that, Gene, what I'm taking from is, and I guess there were some counselors at the region who were not supporters of the project. Um, you mean uh, restore like adapting it and, and uh, opening right. it up and that? Um, I would say there were some very committed counselors and then some that were lukewarm. And then, well, I know there was one who really dug in even on December, 1999, when the vote was taken, you know, that we would rehabilitate it. And, and he, he literally said, I will not support this. Well, he is from Cambridge. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, but, in order to get around whatever naysayers there were, and, and, and the Schneider House project was going on around this time as well? No, I, I do believe that it was, it was completed. It okay. was completed. So the community had the experience of the Schneider House project, but in order to get around these issues, you basically appealed directly to the community by offering information and tours for them to see for themselves what it was like. Is that the plan? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we had, uh, when there was an opportunity for special events in the malls to do heritage exhibits, uh, we had our one about the governor's house in jail. And also we could appeal to people if they would like to join uh, and become a friend. Um, I also did many, many speeches with the um, community groups like uh, Kiwanis and Rotary um, speaking groups, um, and then I remembered oh, this was a this was a fun one. Um, P- Professional Development Day, you could provide um, in in service for teachers. Yes. And the history history consultants said we would just really love a tour of the governor's house in jail since it's part of our history. Would you do it? And so I was in the midst of talking about it. We're going to go into it, uh, into the jail. And uh, just as I was talking, here was this uh, older lady with a book. And she said, I have something to tell you about this building. And it was Miriam Salk Whitney, who was a member of the Waterloo Historical Society. And she had written an article uh, earlier about the importance of saving the, the jail and the governor's house. And it's so she was that was really wonderful because she could share that with the teachers. Wow. So you're so you're doing these tours and you're providing yeah. this information to the community and you you know you're trying to overcome objections to renovating right. but but at the end of the day there is a dollar amount that has to be spent to renovate right yes and how do so you the, how do you get to that the point? big thing is rob uh, for any building to save it you need to find a use an acceptable yes. use right and so in 1996 the province downloaded provincial offenses. And provincial offenses 
um, then needed um, a new location or a, or renovated condition, and so in the um, in the um, let's see, it, provincial offenses were being held court for those were being held in the office building at the corner of Queen and Weber. Uh, okay. in that building which replaced the former Carnegie Library. And anyway, so once they looked at um, the price of renovation and rehabilitation, uh, it it was about $2 million that they came up with feasibility study. And so it was determined that here is a perfect fit with uh, the use of the buildings. Uh, and so let's invest that um, uh, money in adapting and uh, restoring the exterior, adapting the inside for uh, provincial offenses. Wow. And, so and, that was, that yeah. was like, that couldn't have, that was like hand in glove. That fits so well. <laughs> Yeah, and and then also, too, the millennium year was coming up, and there were funds available for community projects. And so um, by this time, 1996, we had quite a, a friends group, and so we determined that we we would do a Waterloo County jail garden, and it first started off, or the Millennium Garden. It first started off in Exercise Yard, but then it expanded to six gardens around, in and around the house and jail. So uh, hold on, I got to ask you something though. So this is like '96 when yeah. this situation occurs. You're involved in, with this like in the mid 1980s, and, yeah. And there was the issue of the dead bodies that basically halted any anybody wrecking anything or creating a parking lot on the site, how were how you able to sort of maintain this momentum for, we'll say, 12 years or so? Uh, I do believe that it was through the, the tour, the on-site tours. And um, the public library, I'll give you an example, for instance, the public, the um, CEO of the public library said, you know, uh, we really want to give a lift uh, and participate in the revitalization of the, of the Kitchener City Center. And one of the things that we could possibly do is have um, September as an education month and how would you like to use our facility to, um, f first of all, do uh, a talk about the history of the, the site? And from there, you can take people through. Um, we'll go, then you can go over and do an on-site right. tour. And so we had several of those. That was one thing. Um, and... Uh, then uh, uh, throughout the year, there were diff different heritage events, or I, I just kept getting calls, um, yeah. you know, because the word spread about <laughs> this, you know, this place. And, and then the word went around saying, this place isn't so bad. And when after I take tours, like people going through, half would say, well, the house should be restored. 
it, it should be reused. And the other half would say, oh, the jail is so important. Uh. And, and also, when we did our mall exhibits in Heritage, there were always people who would volunteer to participate in, in our activities. And then, of course, there was always the encouragement if they believed in having the project, the buildings rehabilitated, you know, here, here is your regional, here are your regional counselors. Please let them know. Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you, Gene. So, you know, like Preston Springs just got torn down uh, because yeah. they said, Oh, it's in bad shape and we've got to, got to take it down. Was there ever that kind of push for these buildings through the late eighties and early nineties? Um. There may have there may have been, um, and there may have been, and then the talk about the site was where the regional headquarters would go, and uh, I think it was always <laughs> there is probably under you know the eyes of certain members of council this right. would make a great site for a new regional headquarters, but then there were. Um, there were other councillors, and I do believe the regional chair was uh, very much uh, in favor of, like, had strong feelings of keeping right. this building and so yes. on. And um, I do remember Councillor Mike Wagner, who was a Kitchener councillor, yeah. uh, when he, he, he was really promoting the the uh, restoration and adaptive reuse of the, of the jail and the governor's house and, and his and, wife and his wife pat as well correct yes yes and she was my vice chair on the friends of the governor's house and jail and so you know going out and and um we had tv coverage and media coverage and so there was a good story with it and yeah. also i have to I have to give credit to one of the facilities staff who his job was primarily the the courthouse and the jail and governor's house and and looking and and you know taking note of it and saying uh I think some small amounts of money could take care of them you know short term maintenance and so right. the place is kept dry like on the inside. Roof. Like a leaky yeah. roof or something, right? Yeah. This, yeah. Uh, it. this reminds me of um, when I was mayor uh, in North Dumfries and we were chatting about the old ice house yeah. uh, downtown. And we initially, uh, you know, the, the, it was deteriorating. The roof was caved in. Water would get in between the walls. Um, and, 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 you know, and then we're told it's like one of four ice houses remaining uh, perhaps mm -hmm. in Canada. And, mm -hmm. and so initially we did a, a request for proposals, but no one came forward with anything. And so we actually voted in favor of knocking it down. So we had that, <laughs> we had that motion there, it was passed and it was just sort of hung there. We weren't really taking any action. And then uh, one day I, I was sort of jogging through town and I don't know if it was the way the sunlight was, was falling. Yeah. Uh, and it just the way it's shone and being down by the river, I thought, oh, this is such a beautiful thing. It could probably be incorporated into a neat park right by the river. So yeah. we actually reversed our decision and we were able to get the local heritage committee 
uh, to round up some money and we put some money in as well to fix the roof so it stopped leaking. So at least that part of it was preserved for future use. Yeah, sure. And that, that's, that's the main thing you really have to watch with older buildings to yeah. keep them dry. Yeah. And, keep and, them dry. Yeah, and so you had some good allies on staff and, and key positions in staff to, to make sure the funding was available on an annual basis to deal with certain issues. That's right. That's right. I just want to ask yeah. you, though, this friends, friends, what was it, Friends of the Jail? What was it called? Uh, friends of the Governor's House in Jail. Okay, and, and this, was that a Facebook group? Oh, no, this is pre-Facebook. Oh, okay, <laughs> no yeah, Facebook. I guess, yeah. No Facebook. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I think I would fail today on, like, even, you know, Facebook. I don't know. But you had <laughs> the right Facebook's idea. trouble. Yeah. Obviously, you had the right idea. <laughs> yeah, but I had a lot of, I, I had a lot of phone contacts. <laughs> right, right. And would you do it, would you, would you mail out to them? Was it a lot of mail? Um, not necessarily. I, I did a lot of phoning and my colleagues did a lot of phoning and, okay. and, uh, that's how, and you then, kept, that's how you kept people informed, like the friends of the. Yes. And then, you know, whenever there was an event like tours or, you know, mall exhibits and, you know, would you please help? And, and that's how we did it. And then, yes. Um, so I, Yeah. Uh, this and was, I guess we should, on that point, we should remember, this was all done before social media. <laughs> yes, it was. Right. Yes, it was. That's fantastic. Yeah, and I, I have to say that in my uh, work as a counselor, I, you know, I met some, I met very, like, terrific people. And from Heritage, uh, I met uh, in my former heritage work, I met terrific people from all across the city and the region. Yes. So you could build build support that way. And I remember there was a uh, from the separate school. There were teachers that were really keen on heritage building and saving and heritage and and you know they call up and say, "Can we bring our kids down? We want to do a tour." that kind of thing. And so you, you just build up connections that way. So I just want to ask you this though, too, because it brings to my mind this issue of whether it's publicly owned or privately owned property. And if that's a factor in terms of preserving a heritage <coughs> building, because it seems to me when you take a look at some of the projects like in Cambridge, the old post office or the old city hall or the Hespler library that's encased in glass, um, when it is publicly owned, it seems the funds are there to ensure uh, or preserve the building a little longer than when it's privately owned. Because I'm thinking about, for example, Preston Springs Hotel or uh, the hotel that was uh, downtown Kitchener. I forget now. Was it the Mayfield or Mayfair, Mayfair mm-hmm. Hotel? So these because in our situation in air, we were able to that building was actually privately owned. And I was able to convince the owner to, because there were back taxes, to transfer the building to the township in lieu of their back taxes. So then it became the township's uh, property or publicly owned. It just seems to me, I don't know you can com- if you can comment on this, is when it's publicly owned, there's maybe a little, it seems to be preserved better. I don't know what to say. Um, I... <laughs> I think a lot of it depends on the will. 
and uh, access to funds, whether it's private or public. Right. Uh, and and the history of it. Um, so uh, I would say that publicly, you can probably um, take uh, like you know do your budgeting, your work, and and you have um, a you know a financial plan and so on. Whereas privately. Um, it uh, it takes like there there are tons of buildings that I have seen uh, that have been privately owned and privately restored. Right. Um, and uh, what I will say is that uh, with when you're in the private in private capacity, you. Um, you know, you're probably on a certain budget yourself, and you yeah. have other costs, and, you, you know, you just can't, um, shall we say, reach out with respect to the tax dollars that way. You right, know, right. you have to know how to budget, and you have to find yeah. workers and craftspeople, and... Uh, Myself, I will say, having had experience, um, you can get some exorbitant quotes uh, because they think, oh, it's a special building, and oh, it needs this, and oh, it needs that, and they really don't know what they're talking about. And uh, like I think of preserving a hardwood floor, uh, I had one bidder come in and said, oh, why would you say that oak floor, you know, it needs to be oh, you know, it's $3,500 to clean up. You may as well get a new oak floor. Right. And why would I do that when it's over 80 years old? Yeah, and, exactly. And it's good wood, oak. And then I had another um, person come in who said, oh, I can redo it. I can do it for $350 ah, and did okay. an excellent job. <laughs> See, so, yeah. I guess you gotta you gotta do your homework basically, right? So that's the key. Yeah, thing. and you know it's the other thing that is a stumbling block now compared to when the heritage restoration movement started with people and buying houses and doing. We had in service. We had the the province had in their uh, culture department or their heritage department. They had um, trained staff who could come out and do workshops yeah. for you yeah. and yeah. the waterloo regional heritage foundation well when i was chair we did uh at least we we would have one session on uh, like one saturday where we'd go from nine in the morning to four in the afternoon and bring in speakers who could talk about how to more uh, do mortar like the special mortar right, you needed, right. and and how to, like woodwork and how to restore your windows and and uh, no, don't throw them out. And here's what you can do. And and you had um, a very active, very active group promoting yes. heritage and restoration actively yes, in the community. Yes. So let me yeah. jump then to '96 uh, <clears throat> when. When this concept of converting uh, the governor's house and jail to the um, pro- crown prosecutors and the courthouse and uh, office in the courthouse, 
who how did that idea come about that this was a, a possible site for that rather than doing the renovation you had talked about at the other facility well i do believe i do believe that um connie giller probably as you you're aware there's always a subcommittee of staff work on it so uh i do believe it was um uh, a rep from the facilities department and connie giller the lawyer uh, for sure, um, that and maybe some other people in facilities right. who who uh, determined and came up came up with a case, and also then there was um, I'm trying to think a feasibility study done on it. Okay, and and in the feasibility study, um, there would be um, requests for quotes and how to do it and and so on so uh you must have been ecstatic when this the intersection of these two plans started to come together it yes i remember the night when council passed the resolution december uh 1999 i think it was the first Tuesday, Wednesday evening in December of 1999, and the resolution was passed. And we all, you know, kind of went out of the council chamber and, you know, jumped for joy. And I remember another member from the Waterloo Historical Society, who's on the executive committee, called her members and said, it's passed. We're on our way. So. And then, and then the next thing you're wondering about was what was going to happen with the millennial change in the ticking time bomb of December 31st to January 1st, 99 to 2000. <laughs> That's right. And it, and it, was, <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> so um, when did, uh, in terms of the, I'm wondering, was there some community fundraising that happened with respect to this project as well? Uh, yes, there was. So um, we had done... Uh, as we did our tour, as we did our tours from 1996 to 2000, we were also doing tours uh, because it, the project hadn't been approved. Uh, but we had as our um, millennial project that we would uh, restore the wall garden and, right. and create create it. So we did some fund uh, fundraising. And um, and then you know, would you like to become a friends of the governor's house in jail and so on? Yeah. Raise awareness that way. Uh, and then um, once we got the oh, we did a charrette on um, which involved people from the neighborhood, office people, um, the historical society, ACO, a charrette as to what this garden should be used for and how right. it should public input. accommodate. Yes. Public, yeah. Lots of public input. And then from there, we advertised, um, once we got the approval, uh, that uh, this would be a millennium project. And then we started to do more serious fundraising. But... Um, we had um, well, we started out with the goal for eighty five thousand yes. dollars for a Millennium Garden project, but then it it expanded so that we went around the buildings and uh, and so we ended up with uh, six, seven gardens now six. Yeah. So there was um, 
one in the like the main one was the Millennium Garden, and then we had um, I'm, oh, this is dreadful. I can't remember all the. That's okay. It's a lot of gardens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and on the Boulevard Garden because we wanted, yeah. we didn't want it, the cars had to be in there, so we wanted to have plants to, you know, shield right, to right. cover that and trees, and then the um, the Governor's Garden, which was all around the house, and sure. then the history wall, and so on, and and so. There was money available because of the millennium year from um, the Department of Canadian Heritage, okay. uh, Government of Canada, and then there was also uh, from the province of Ontario. Uh, so that was a chunk. And so 85, and then we had to go up to, we went up to 150,000. Okay, and, did, and, you get some, uh, and Jean, did you get some corporate donations in that as well? Uh, it was primarily from foundations. Okay. Uh, no, uh, I suppose there might be one or two corporate donors on here, but okay. not, um, yeah. And I thought a very nice um, gesture on the part of the, um, the municipalities um, which was like the the seven municipalities or the yes. six municipalities. So we have um, uh, in as part of the garden. Well, not in, it's outdoors, but it's called the Founders Bench, which is black granite. Okay. And uh, so we took uh, the crests of those um, townships, uh, the crests of the municipalities that were part of. Waterloo County at the time of 1853. And so um, the city of Waterloo um, said Waterloo Township no longer exists, but they gave represent, they were represented in that. Right. Your Township, North Dumfries, Wellesley yes. Township, Wilmot, Woolwich. Everybody. But these were the reps that were sitting around the council horseshoe in 1853. Oh, very nice. Uh, yeah. this was a very interesting talk and, uh, discussion. And, and you know what, I, I just want to say thank you to you and obviously to everyone else that worked with you, because I know you're very magnanimous, uh, in sharing the credit, but you know, these buildings were significant because without them, we wouldn't have a regional Waterloo. That's right. You know, That's the way right. it is, the way it exists today. And, and so they're, they're basically the birth of what was to become what we have today. And so That's all right. credit to you and, uh, and keeping those in place. So listen, thanks again. And, and look, we'll be in touch and uh, all the best with the grandchildren. Hopefully we don't have another lockdown. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, thanks again. All right, Jean, you take care. Yeah, bye-bye. Okay, bye. So this has been another edition of the Old Grey Mares podcast. I want to thank you for having uh, listened and tagged along with us. If you want to hear from someone in the community that uh, you think would be an excellent guest for this podcast, let me know and we will be happy to try and make that happen. And if you really like what you hear, you can uh, subscribe and be uh, informed of future Old Grey Mare podcasts. Thanks again. All the best.